0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. How many are thankful for Jesus? Come on. it's good. Really, uh... Really excited about this new series as we step into um, the series that we've titled, Unlikely Choice. It's really near and dear and special to my heart. Yes, it's the holiday season and Thanksgiving is upon us and Christmas is upon us. But this is a a series that helps us to to look at the story of God, maybe in a different way. As you walked in, there's a a star that represents the the North Star What we know is the wise men followed that star to Jesus. But that star represents the reality that God in the story of his purposes in our lives, but also in the story of Christmas, is that God used people. And he led and he guided them all together to a single point. And that point was Jesus. And that point was was the one who would come to save the world. And God used people though within that story that if you and I were honest, we wouldn't have used. And so the series is gonna be about how God uses unlikely people, broken people, people who are flawed, people who don't have it all together, people who feel like God can't use them or doesn't want to use them because of whatever it is in their life or past or mistakes. And just to be frank, it's that God uses people like you and me that fit with the people that we're going to learn and grow about. But that's the beauty of this season. And today we're going to be taking communion at the end of the service To give thanks to God for what he's done in our life and to remember and to never forget that he chose us. We were an unlikely choice. We were an unlikely choice in the story and the purposes of God. None of us here had anything that would would make God go, hey, you're great. I'm going to choose you. No, it was, no, I love you because of my love for you, because of my son that I'm sending for you and sent for you. That will make you great in my eyes. It was the redemption of God for us. In this story of Christmas, it's very, very humbling to me because I know me. I know that there are things in my life that are flawed. I'm not perfect. I know you think I am, but I am not. I'm not a perfect dad. I'm not a perfect husband, and I, but because Mark and I are smart, our wives are perfect. Right. <laughs> but they would tell you they are not. And none of us are perfect. And so what does it look like for God to use people who aren't perfect? Well, it's a story that involves God in a tremendous way and humbles all of us. The people in the story of God are, are always, there, there's these, they're, they're unlikely people that God would choose. There's a statement that has morphed over the years from the reformer, Martin Luther. And I, I, w- I want you to listen to this. I want you just to let it sink in because it is a tremendous, a profound, simple statement. He said, God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines." That means that God uses imperfect people to fulfill His perfect will on the earth. He uses imperfect people like you and me to be a part of the story that when we're in it, we go, I, I, I don't know why I'm in this, but God, you're with me. And I don't know why the outcome was for your good and for the good of the kingdom, but here I am. Now, we know this, that God calls us and transforms us. And he, he, when he does call us, he, he begins to transform our minds and our hearts by his grace. And he begins, though, here's the key, he begins to work through us while he's transforming us. So he doesn't say, hey, when when you get done in the oven and you're perfect, then I'll use you. No, he says, I am transforming you and I want to use you. I have a purpose and a destiny and a story to tell with your life and through your life. This is the method in which God flows through people, imperfect people who are being transformed by God. He uses to do and fulfill his perfect will. So we would say, I, I'm, I'm not perfect. And he says, yes, but you're being perfected. You say, I'm not always faithless. He'd say, yes, but I'm faithful to you and I'm still going to use you. And we would say, yes, but I haven't achieved anything to, to be used of you or for, 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 to be a part of this incredible kingdom story on the earth. And he would say, yes, but I achieved for you by sending my son to die on a cross for you. This is the story of God. And when you look at the story, you you see these imperfect people. And so over the next several weeks, it's gonna be a great journey as we look at them. But I wanna start today by looking at this passage from the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul was addressing people who thought that God was blessed because they were a Christian. He's talking to people that in church were being spiritually superior to others. They were comparing, yes, but uh, I'm, of, I'm of Paul, one says, no, I'm of, I'm of Apollos, or oh, I'm of Cephas. And, and so they were, they were competing and puffing each, themselves up in their own little groups of, of yes, but I, I belong to, to this person. I, no, no, I was baptized by this person. And so they were getting, they were having spiritual pride, puffed up, criticizing other believers, trying to really pull them down so they can be superior. If they had social media, they would have been blasting each other on social media. They would have been been bringing, on the public forum, for the world who's lost and broken to see, they would have seen, they would have, because they were prideful. They would have been criticizing each other, disparaging the church of Jesus Christ. They were prideful. And so Paul reminds them of, hey, let me remind you of who you are. Let me remind you of the type of people that God uses. Let me remind you, you think you, 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 think you are a gift to everybody who knows you. Paul writes this, 1 Corinthians 1. For consider your calling, brothers. So I want you just for a moment. Consider your calling. Consider God chose you. Consider God adopted you into His family. Consider He sent His Son for you. Consider you were called by God to be a child of God. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. So apparently they were measuring themselves with worldly standards, measuring themselves with the ruler of the flesh and humanity and the world and people who didn't know Jesus. They They were comparing how great they were. Not many of you were wise according to human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord." God likes to do things in ways that freak people out, <laughs> that make people uncomfortable. That he likes to do things that we start, no no, no, no God, God, you can't do that, because you don't you don't know what I know about that person. And when we see the story of God, you see the brokenness of humanity like a father inviting his children to come and help work on the car, and they don't know anything about the car, but inviting them into the story of what he's doing. It's the grace of God. Most of us live our lives disqualifying ourselves before God telling God why he can't use us. But in God's story, God's unlikely choices, I just look at this, it says, now for, now for the most part, now I, I know God calls people who are wise and people who are of noble birth and people who, who are mighty or powerful or have a position of, of influence. I, he does, but most of us are not that. And so Paul says, not many, just a reminder, not, not many of you are wise. Not many of you are powerful or mighty. Not many of you come from some bloodline that people go, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. He goes, that's not who you are. But this is the majority of those that God calls and God chooses to do His work through. While we are being transformed, He's doing His work through us and bringing us to be a part of His story and His kingdom. And we find ourselves in places we never thought possible. We find ourselves doing things we never thought we'd ever do. We find ourselves humbled. That's what God likes to do. That's what He wants to do in your life. That's what He wants to do on the earth, is use people just like this passage, which, let's be honest, that's us. This is who he chooses to work through. God chose what is foolish in the world. So what the world looks at is, hey, that's what's going to get the job done. What the human thinking, fleshly thinking says, oh, that's who God really wants to use. That's the type of person. That's the personality. Oh, that's the family you're from. Oh, that family. Well, they got nine generations of pastors in their family. Surely God wants to do that. What Paul says is what we see of the eye, of the flesh, what we say, oh, then God will probably do this because they're this. Paul says that's not how God works. That's not how God works establishes his kingdom, and writes his incredible story on the earth. He uses broken people like you and me, who are flawed, who are embarrassed, who have mistakes in our past, failed relationships. Issues of our heart, our minds. And God says, if you'll, if you'll surrender to me, I want to use you. It's a beautiful story of the gospel. There are, the other side is this, is that in human thinking, we conclude that God can't use someone. In the eyes of the world or the flesh or the the, say the church, the people in the church, we said, no, God can't use that person. Because God, no, wait a minute God, before you do that, you don't know that person like I know. So therefore, hang on, I I don't know God if that's gonna be a good uh, reputation for you to use them. God, you you don't know where they'd come from. You you don't know the mistakes. You don't know the failures that that, that I do. And we in our human thinking say, God, you, you can't use them. I often chuckle at my my journey walking with God. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but I wasn't the brightest puppy in the litter. By human standards. Out of uh, 30 people in my graduating class at Pope County High School, I came in 29th. <laughs> I didn't understand it. I, I wasn't like everybody else. And I've shared this with you before, but my worst fear was when the teacher would make you go around the room and read through the chapter in, in a book was to read. I don't know, I couldn't, I not that I didn't, I wasn't trying. I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I'm trying. And it's I, this phrase, mispronounced this word. I, how can, I'm thinking, man, how, where's everyone else getting all this stuff from? They can read, just flows out of them. Later I find out, oh, I, I'm dyslexic. That's what that is. Then I went to Bible college and I prayed that God would heal me of dyslexia. He didn't. I I mean, people consume books and I'd be like, all right, let me read that paragraph one more time. Like what? By human standards. I shouldn't do anything that has to stand up and read But that's what God likes to do. God likes to choose people who are like, ah, I can't do that. And He says, That's why I chose you. This is the story of God in our lives. I'm emotional this morning because I just, the moment I woke up, I was just thankful. And I'm a crybaby, so I do this sometimes, I know. But I was just overwhelmed. That God's faithfulness. God chose what is weak. God chose what is low. God chose what is despised by human thinking and says, I'm going to use that. That is not the way we think, friends. We don't think that way. These are the people that God uses and chooses to accomplish His purposes through. It should, it should shock us and get our thinking correct. It should also encourage us. should encourage us because most of us rehearse our failures, our mistakes, our shortcomings, our weaknesses. Most of us. We live in a narrative that just constantly tells us. Yeah, but you're from that family. Or yeah, you don't have a dad. Or you don't have a mom. Or you were this. And nobody ever loved you here. And you made this mistake here. And see, you've never been this. And we, we live this. But the reality is. Weakness, things that are despised, things you despise about yourself. Brokenness, mental struggle, mental illness. Abuse, bankruptcy. God says, I'm going to use that which you hold as weakness. And it's, it's true. But I'm going to use it for my glory. That's the story of the gospel. I mean, if we were to choose, that, if there was a task that needed to get done, and we had to put the, a team together with the people. We'd get the right personality, get the right skill set, we get we everybody would get the right chemistry. We'd have, you know, team bonding time that we would get, you know, understand each other and we'd take the, the Enneagram or the whatever. Oh, you're this, and oh, okay, you're this in leadership and you would and we get it all together and be oh yeah, you don't fit. We bring this person in and we oh we got our team. We got the right education, the right knowledge, the right experience. Great. All right, let's go. That is the opposite of how God puts a team together. And it's the principle of what God has done all throughout the scriptures, not just in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's also the principle of what, how he moves his kingdom forward today on the earth. And we go, but uh, that doesn't make sense. You're right. That's why God says, hey, I know you have thoughts. This doesn't make sense. But my thoughts are not your thoughts. Yeah, but that's not the way I would do it. That's, not, uh, that's great because uh, your ways are not my ways. They're so different. They're so, you, you can't even connect the dots. They're so far apart for us. The heavens are higher than they are. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So God's saying, I'm the author. I'm writing the story. I put whoever I want in the grand story of what I'm doing on the earth. This It's the reality that God makes some unlikely choices. and We see it all throughout Scripture. We see that Abraham was called by God to be the one in which God would bring the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the answer to the brokenness from the Garden of Eden. Why? Why, Abraham? I don't know. He said, Abraham, I choose you. Abraham's like, okay. Abraham, through his journey, he had, he had some issues. Anytime he thought his life could be in danger, he threw his wife under the bus. <laughs> what a numpty. I mean, he's got to live with her. Why would you do that? I mean, just for self-preservation. I mean, good grief. And he lies. And you go, why? Why Abraham? Wasn't there anybody who was more honest, more noble? God says, Abraham, I'll choose you. Tamar, who's a part of the lineage of Jesus, in a desperate situation of trying to figure out how she's going to provide for herself and dead husbands. And she pretends to be a prostitute in order to sleep with Judah, her father-in-law. So she, she could secure some safety in her life and be taken care of. She's in the lineage of Christ. She's in the story. Moses gets a start by by killing a dude. And then he runs for his life. Then the Lord calls him. Like shows up, not like the still small voice. No, like burning bush. Hey boy, get in, get come here. And Moses is like, no I'll pass. Thank you. I don't I don't want to do that. I will you want, no, I don't want to. Nope. Nope. I think you should find some, somebody else. He disobeys God along the way. Why Moses? God chose him. Moses, one time in his leadership, he's like overwhelmed. So he's like, you know, leading these people out of slavery. And like, he's so overwhelmed. He's so ill-equipped practically to be leading. He's like, God, this is a lot. These people are a lot. Will you just kill me? Like, it's not like he was built for leadership. He was like, no, just take my life. This, this stinks. Yet God worked through this imperfect man to lead God's people out of Egypt, Moses like met with God face to face, they were friends, flawed. Samson, the dude was probably, he was insecure, he was lustful. You're like, I, I mean, part of me is like, couldn't you just leave that person out of the Bible? I, like, because you're like, well, somebody use this as an excuse to be a, a knucklehead or something. You know, why? Three times we're told the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. And God used him to be part of this story. King David... A man after God's heart, but he also has an adulterous affair. He 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 murders one of his soldiers to cover up his sin. God used imperfect David. It wasn't that God excused any of these. All of their sins. Cost them dearly. But God in His grace over and over works through imperfect, broken people like you and me. Jonah, Jonah was a racist. God says, hey, go reach those people in Nineveh. Go, go, go tell them about me go evangelize. He said, I I would, I'd rather get on a ship than ever give them hope with my God. Then he finally repents, goes and preaches and wine some more. I'm like, this dude's a baby. Like, what are you doing, Jonah? God uses imperfect, broken people. Elijah, after a great spiritual victory over the false prophets of Baal, I, I, I love going to this place in Israel and envisioning it and teaching on it on this, on, up on this mountain and I mean, the, the most, the greatest victory. Like he was like calling out the prophets of Baal. Like In the original translation, they built the altars and he's like, hey, okay, go ahead, call, go ahead, call down, fire comes down, consumes your, your God's God, same with mine. And he's, he's mocking them. He's like, hey, uh, maybe your God's uh, taking a bathroom break right now. Like, hey, what's going on? I mean, the vibrato, the vibrato of his spiritual confidence, and then he becomes mentally overwhelmed after this great victory, and this woman named Jezebel put a hit out on him. The scripture says, "Afraid, he rose and ran for his life." I mean, I a believer on the outside would be like, Elijah, just call down fire from heaven and burn that evil woman up. You just did it on the mountain, do here? And a woman like Jezebel, Ahab, probably would have thanked Elijah. I'm just saying, just say, that's just an, that's another story. We want that, we'll do that in the marriage section. But he ran for his life. He's depressed. He's and God extended grace, God fed him, God gave him rest, and then afterward, God recommissioned him as a prophet. Jeremiah was the prophet of the Lord. You know, he's, he felt things deeply. He was called the weeping prophet. He's, this is probably a dude I would not like to be around. He's, I'm like, dude, get over it. It's okay. Like... Stop it. Like, stop feeling things so deeply. Like, well, come on. Like, like go to counseling, okay? Like, I'm pro counseling, I'm just saying. I think Jeremiah needed it. That's all I'm saying. He's, he's always, you know, it's just, he's the weeping prophet. And God works through him incredibly. The Apostle James and John, like they had been walking with Jesus for a couple years, they had seen his grace, they'd seen his healing, they'd seen, they'd heard his message. I mean, walked with him, and they come to this this uh, this Samaritan city that didn't receive Jesus, and they go, "Hey, Jesus, um, should we just?" Call down fire from heaven and destroy and wipe out everyone. And Jesus is like, where have you been for the last two years? (laughs) And he rebukes them. And then he gives them the commission to go and preach to the world. He entrusts them. And to see And to be with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Why? Because God works through broken human people like you and me. Peter was the man who was impulsive. I like Peter. Just never know. I, you know, it's always good to have a friend like that. You just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> like He's the guy you want to, you hey, let's go hang out and go grab some food. Because you're like, this could be fun. Peter, he's impulsive, like he... They show up to get Jesus, whips out a sword, chops off a dude's ear. Listen, he wasn't swinging for the ear, okay? He's not a good aim, but the dude's got some gumption. I like Peter. He says stuff right before Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem and die Peter rebukes him. Peter rebukes Jesus. No, Jesus. I don't think so. And then Jesus goes, all right, Satan, get thee behind me. Peter's like, oh, shoot, I missed that one. He... And then God uses Peter to be the, the center of his church and the spread of the gospel. These are the different types of people that God likes to use all throughout history, a human unlikely choice. Now this passage that we read, it speaks to people, yes, who are prideful. And I would, in a room like this and those joining us online, we are both we have people who are prideful and feel like that God is blessed to have, to have them as a child. Well, the key for God to use you is to humble yourself, to read this passage over and over again. And even, even when I read it, it said he likes to use the weak things. And you're like, no, what, what do you mean? I, he wants strength. And he wants because that's what you think about yourself, but Paul lays out actually who you are. You did nothing for God to choose you. You had no endowment. Jesus was your endowment for you to be a child of God. God chose you while you were enemies with him. so, if that's you today, you should humble yourself. There's also people in this room, I would say would be the majority, who you would look at your own self and you would rightly see your weakness. You would rightly see your brokenness. You would rightly see your shortcomings. You would rightly see your past mistakes. You would rightly see your sins. And you would rightly say, I don't have anything to boast about. I, I have no, nothing to boast. And you would rightly come to that human conclusion. And you would think, God doesn't want me part of a story. God doesn't want me part of… I, I'm limited because of those things that I know. But here's the deal. Those things are true, but it's only a half-truth. You are nothing without Christ. In your human evaluation, nothing is possible, but in God's evaluation, all things are possible for those who are in Christ. And your, your evaluations, your shortcomings limit you. and they're, they're, it, It's just something you, you just can't get over. But in God's evaluation, through His Son, Jesus, He can mold and shape. And use those weaknesses for his glory. You would, maybe you're saying to the other, I, I, got, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to offer. When you look at the people in, in God's story, why? Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why the shepherds? Why the wise men? Why, I don't know. What was so special about them? God chose them. You know, I, I have, I, I don't. all I have is my weakness. All I have is my brokenness. All I have is, 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 is this. All I have is I, I'm, I'm marked by divorce, and I'm marked by abuse, and I'm marked by failure, and I'm marked by, by broken relationships, and I, I, this is all I have. I have nothing to give. I have nothing of value that I could sacrifice for you, God. But the psalmist, David, in his brokenness says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. That's all I got. And a contrite heart. And God, you will not despise that. Give him your weakness. Give him your foolish things. Give him the the things you despise about yourself. Give them to Him. And here's the great thing about God's grace, and I've seen it in my life. The foolish things, the weak things, they don't stay foolish. They don't stay weak. Because God takes the foolish things and the weak things And He does powerful things through them and with them. Most of us live in this narrative that our brokenness is just who we are. No, no. That's there, but God wants to use it. Many of us are marked by how our parents treated us. I mean, we're like, we're like midlife and we're still… there's something about our, our personality that's shaped by something our dad said or mom said. Or, and we go, I, I just can't get over this. God says, well, give me that brokenness. Give me that weakness. many of us have just come to the judgment. This is who we are. Therefore, God, you can't. But you may say, yeah, but I'm unlo- I'm unlo- I, am unlo- I am unlovable. But God says, I have loved you forever. You may say, I'm too scarred. But God says you were healed. It's time for us to to change the narrative. To say, God, I give you my weakness because it's you who makes me strong. God, I give you this this sin of my life because you said I'm forgiven. God, I give you this uh, this spirit of abandonment because you said I'm adopted. God, I give you my, my brokenness Because you said you make me whole. God, I give you this rejection that I feel and sense because, God, you said I'm accepted by you. God, I give you this loneliness because you said you're always with me. God, I give you this feeling that I'm always at the bottom, I'm always at the back, I'm always at the tail, because you said you'd make me the head. God, I give you this failure and this defeat because you said I can be victorious in you. God, I give you this fear Because you said, I am powerful and I am loved and I have a sound mind. Lord, I give you this inferior feeling of not enough, imposter syndrome. I give it to you because you said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, delights in using crooked sticks to make straight lines. That's what he does. And he wants to take you and all your crookedness and use you in his story. And move in your life. Because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus. A reminder who became to us wisdom from God. He became to us righteousness. He became to us our sanctification. He became to us our redemption so that we really can't boast in anything because it's all about him anyway. There's this passage in 2 Corinthians, which we don't have it on the screen, but Paul's talking about us as vessels that were are clay, we're clay. We're clay. You know, I, I, I wish I was a marble vessel, but Paul says, No, you are clay vessels. We carry, we, we we have the gift of Jesus in us. So Jesus is in us. We carry his presence, his spirit, his gospel, his truth. We carry it. And we're clay. Why? Why would God use broken vessels? Why would God use vessels that if you bump them the wrong way, they're going to break? Why why would God use your brokenness and, and your pain and your failure? Why would He use your shortcomings? The Scripture goes on to say, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us most of us sit around be but i'm just a clay vessel i'm just a clay jar i'm just a clay and he's like yeah that's what i made you so instead of despising your design of being fragile and and, and vulnerable and and having chips on your on your vessel instead of despising that embrace the reality you are clay but through your brokenness and through, your, your, through the things that you've failed and through the things where you've fallen and through your mistakes and through what you're embarrassed of and through what no one else knows and only you, through that you beat yourself up over and over and over again, through that, let the glory of God shine. And let the surpassing power of God be only attributed to it is God and God alone. It is nothing of me. I can't boast about anything. It's about Jesus. It's by design. God chose you. You are an unlikely choice. But He still chose you. When we came to Christ, I want you to think about this. Many of us say things like this. Oh God, you know, I want to give Him my life, and but I need to clean some things up first. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Because if you could clean things up, you would. We come to Christ as Vessels that only He can cleanse. The work of salvation is all about Him. He gets the glory at every step of the way. He just looks for people to say, I'll let you use my brokenness for that. I'll let you use my shortcomings for that. I'll stand up with being dyslexic and read in front of people. And some days I'm good. And some days it's like, no, brain ain't working today. But I won't allow those feelings of insecurity at times to tell me what I can and cannot do. I'll make a fool of myself. For His glory. I'll I'll stumble and fall over words and not pronounce things correctly at times, but I'm not quitting this story that God that God has invited me into because it's it's for his glory. It's for his power. It's not for my fame or shame. It's for Him. Because I believe that God can use you and me to make some straight lines with our crooked lives, and in the process, be transformed by Him. If you can, just bow your heads for a moment. If you're here today, and you want to commit your broken, flawed life to God, and you want to receive the story He has for your life. And you want to receive salvation. And you want God to bring glory through your own brokenness. Nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand right now as a a step between you and God. Amen. Thank you so much. Many hands. Thank you. Thank you. If you're also here today, and you would say, "I love Jesus," but man, I, I've got some chips in this clay vessel that I don't, I don't know how God can use it, but I want Him to. Just as a sign of faith today, if you have things in your life that you want God to use for His purpose and His glory, even though they may be shameful and hurtful to you, just raise your hand right where you are. Amen. Amen. I'm raising mine too. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, first for those who want to give their lives to Jesus today. And we're all going to pray this together, just as a family, but this is your heart. Just repeat after me today. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my weakness. I give you my sin. Forgive me. I receive your salvation. I receive new life from you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I put my faith in you today. Now I want to pray for those of us who want God to use our own brokenness and our own struggles and just just receive this today. And just where you are, just pray with me. Lord Jesus, we recognize today we have been trying to hide our weaknesses and hide our shortcomings and hide our failures. But today, Lord, they are the sacrifice that we give you broken and contrite, hearts and spirits. Lord, we ask You that You would demonstrate Your glory and Your power through all these things, these shortcomings, these failures. We don't know how You can, but Lord, you're God, it's Your story. Use my life to bring You glory. Use me, God, however You choose by your grace to flow through me to accomplish whatever you choose, surpassing the surpassing power of God, that it would be known it is not us, but it is you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If we can, let's all stand to our feet together. We're going to close by taking communion. If you haven't received your communion cup, we do have some communion plates here. I think there's some stationed around as well. Maybe you grab one on your way in. We're going to take some time as a family and take communion to give thanks to God first. We're going to have a great week. Many of us will give thanks to God and our families and give thanks to God for His faithfulness and His provision. But we first want to give thanks to God for what He's done for us. We want to take it as a family. So you have these cups here. I would recommend take the bottom one off first, but if you can't go ahead and do that, and we'll hold the wafer. And first I'm going to take the wafer that represents the blood, excuse me, represents the body of Jesus. That was broken and whipped and striped for us for our healing. So we eat this today as a it's a it's a it's a symbol to remind us, but it's also for us to Stay connected to consuming, continually consuming and reminding ourselves what Jesus did for us. So Lord, we come to your table as a family. And so Lord, we, we take of this wafer, this bread and we recognize that it represents that by your stripes, we're healed, we're healed. We receive your healing in our bodies in our minds in our spirits. We receive our healing from you. We receive it, God, today, right where we are, And so, Lord, we eat of this body. Let's eat together. We also, Lord, take of this cup. We consume this cup, representing your blood that was shed for us for our sins. We consume it to remember that in you, our sins are forgiven. Past, present, future. We are righteous and holy because of what this blood represents. So we drink of it today. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.